Welcome to the Super Expander Podcast. My name is Corrine Phelps, your host. I'm a business and growth coach, money mindset expert, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. My journey has taken me all over from working in finance to owning a boutique fitness studio. I found myself burnt out, miserable, and questioning everything. Saying things to myself like, there's got to be more to life than this. Refusing to settle for a mediocre existence, I went all in, learning how to harness untapped potential and rewire the subconscious mind to create an extraordinary life. The last 10 years have been a crash course in self-love, building a business, creating community, building wealth, and doing what it takes to just freaking go for it. My mission is to help you align to your purpose, Rewire your subconscious to support your big dreams and vision and create a life that you're absolutely obsessed with. So sit back, tune in, and prepare to expand. Britt Frank is a clinician, educator, and trauma specialist. She speaks and writes widely about mental health myths that keep us stuck and stressed. Britt received her BA from Duke University and her master's from the University of Kansas, where she later became an award-winning adjunct professor. She's a somatic experiencing practitioner and level three trained in the internal family systems therapeutic model. Britt was a primary therapist at a drug and alcohol treatment center and an inpatient therapist at a children's psychiatric hospital and now owns a private practice. She is also the author of the book, Science of Stuck. I am so excited for today's conversation. Hello. Hello, Super Expanders. Welcome back. I am so excited for today's conversation. I know you've heard me say this before, but I, I'm pretty sure I started a podcast so I could have conversations with really cool women, just like Britt Frank, who is here with us today. I am so oh, thank excited. Thank you so Welcome. much. Hi. I'm like, oh, that's my cue. Hi. This is going to be fun. <laughs> We're going to get into lots of trouble today. We, we totally are because I just did that like completely different than I ever normally do it. I was just like... <laughs> Tee it up. Oh, that's my sweat. Got it. Yeah, okay, I'm yeah, in. There, I'm in. There you Let's go. do this. Absolutely. See, I knew this was going to be fun. I, here we go. Buckle up, right? So I always love to give a little bit of context before we go deep. So I, well, I've had this book. I've had this really, really amazing, cool book, The Science of Stuck, for a while here. And I had the joy of reading it. And then I was at this event. And, and by the way, uh, spoiler, Britt wrote the book science of stuck. Um, but I was at this event in New York city where I got to do the breathwork session and she was there and I was like, pinch me moment. How cool is it? I had this book, I read it and I'm like, Oh my God, she's here. That was a so fun event. Course, that yes. was a cool event. So then of course, here we are having this conversation. So excited to, to dive in. And because now everyone knows where, like how this all came to be, we, we go deep. So I just need to, I need to ask the question. We're just going to rip the bandaid off and go in. All right, hit me. Do yeah, it. Yeah. All right. Who is Brit deep down, like on a soul level as a person laid on me? Ooh, well, on a soul level, I could do the, we're all one consciousness and we're all made of stardust. And that's like grand, but we have human incarnations that we have to mess around with. So uh, my forward facing resume is I'm a trauma therapist and a writer and a speaker. And then like the sorted behind the scenes stuff is just recovering hot mess of a disaster of an excuse for a human being and spent my whole childhood, teenage years, early twenties, early thirties being just a mess. And 
then I figured out how to not be a mess with a lot of really good help. And so I sort of synthesized everything that I learned. And this is, you know, the book is really my show and tell. It's like, here's what I think is the best stuff and just the bottom line stuff. So you don't have to read that whole stack of books collecting dust that I know is sitting on your nightstand as we speak. I feel, I feel seen. <laughs> <laughs> no shame. I have it too. And as you were talking first, I was like, are we the same person? And I'm like, no, because I'm not a job. <laughs> but there's a lot of things there. I was like, wait, a mess in your 20s, a mess still in your 30s. So yeah, I, I feel like everybody was was really like, oh, hold on. She's She figured out how to not be a mess. And it was like, ding, ding, ding. Now I am listening. So let's kind of go there a little bit. How'd you figure out to not be a mess? <laughs> <laughs> it took a long time. And when I, you know, with my work, it'd be so easy to like, just be like, here are some composites of clients that I've treated over the years. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's great. But I'm like, no, I'm just going to use my own stuff. It's not a memoir, but like, here you go. So drug addict, sex addict, crazy making relationships. You know, I had what would have been considered before we knew about trauma, borderline personality disorder, just like a super, super, I looked functional. Like if you didn't know me, you would not have necessarily known or who am I kidding? People probably all knew, but, um, you know, I tried so many different things. I tried a religious cult. I tried doing all of the diets and the fasting and the detoxes. I tried the extreme versions of a lot of things. And I found that if any of those things really worked sustainably, your job, my job, we wouldn't have a wellness industry. It'd be like, just go do that. Eat this, read this, wear this, you're good. And it's not so easy. Um, but that said, there are some things. And I had a really good therapist who understood that these heads of ours that make up stories and that float around in fantasy and in the clouds are attached to bodies and like these bodies of ours do things. And if you understand how to drive your body, life tends to work a lot better. I like that. So we have to learn how to be the drivers of our own body. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, so, so how does someone learn how to do that? Is there, I'm gonna, I feel like we should start with probably, they should start to read your book first. Is that... <laughs> If you would Spoilers. like to learn, if you would like to learn how to drive your body, you need to stop right now and order the science of stuff. And um... <laughs> well, it helps to know that you have one. Like I, honest to God, I think I was like 29, and my therapist was like, "Okay, Brad, now where do you feel that in your body?" And I'm like, "Bitch, what are you talking about? I don't, I, I don't understand the assignment." She's like, "Where are you feeling this in your body?" I'm like, "I, I, I did, I legitimately did not understand." that feelings are body sensations. I thought feelings were mind things or thought things or spiritual things or demon things, but like at its basic, feelings are body sensations and we need to learn how to tolerate them. And it starts with, hi, if you're listening, you have a body and a nervous system and it's automatic. And if you don't know how to drive it, it's going to drive you and it's not going to work. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That was a truth bomb right there. You guys might want to reverse back and listen to that again, because that was, that was gold. So, okay. So someone is listening and they're hearing you talk about this, where would be like a starting point for them to start to get in touch with their, their feelings and understand this, like wrap their head, really wrap right around it. And I really, I mean, I love concepts and I love conceptual and esoteric, but like, let's get really practical. And my work is very, very actionable. Whatever thing you're stuck with, whether it's an addiction, a relationship, a career decision, a family, it doesn't matter what it is. The very first thing people ask is why is this happening? Why am I struggling? Why am I like this? And it's sort of like if the building was on fire, you don't start with why. You start with where's the exit, get out, and we'll figure out why the building caught on fire later. But 
when we start with why and everybody that I work with, very high functioning, high achieving people all want to hit the ground with why, but that kind of insight doesn't create any action. Why is very helpful at like mile seven, not out of the gate. So if you can change your step one from asking why, it doesn't matter right now, it doesn't matter why. Step one is not why, it's what. What are three choices? What are three people, places, or things that I can say yes to today? Not after I buy the day planner with the stickers and the markers. Not after I get the shoes and the leggings and the clothes. Like, what can I say yes to today? Pick three of those things. And then, like, of that three, pick one and go. And no one wants to do that because it's not sexy and no one's going to Instagram live. They took a tiny micro step forward, but every big win in every area of our lives is made up of micro yeses. So we have to start with the micro yeses. Oh, speaking my language here. I just recently was uh, on a micro gratitude journey and yeah, I was in the midst of dealing with something really, really heavy and hard. And that was how I got through it. It was just like, I'm just going to focus on like one little shred of something I can feel good about right now. I can be grateful for And that's what carried me through. So, all right. So I feel like when you're really, really in the thick of it, that's hard. I feel like, I mean, when I tapped into the, the micro gratitude, it was, I feel like it was easy for me because this is the kind of stuff that I do. I live and breathe this kind of work. But for someone who that is it, the thing, I don't know. What, what's a tip to, to focus on the micro? How do you do that? My biggest, the biggest thing I see with people not getting that micro thing started is this story that, well, how am I ever going to get anywhere if I just do this tiny little thing? And yeah, I took one little step, but it's, it's the story of not enoughness that keeps us spinning. Like I promise you, and you don't have to take my word for it or your word for it. This is brain science. Those micro yeses add up. I know that there's nothing awesome about leaving your shoes near the door and then putting them on and then going back to bed. But that little promise that you keep to yourself is going to create a little squirt of dopamine. And so tomorrow, maybe it's you put the shoes on and you get out the door and then you go back to bed. And then the next day you put your shoes on, you get out the door and then you hit the trail. But it's not the micro yeses that I think are the challenge. It's legitimizing that that is in fact the path forward. And again, I'm so sorry that I didn't create the brain. I didn't create this design. I don't know why it sucks, but the two guarantees with changing of whatever type of change you're after, it's going to suck. It's going to be boring. It's going to be miserable. And then it's going to be worth it. Um, But we want to skip over that first thing, but that's the truth. It's going to be awful and it's going to be worth it. And it starts with a micro. Yes. So as soon as the micro yes gets normalized and legitimized and there's buy-in, people will do it. And that's when they're like, oh yeah, this stuff works. Like, yes, it does. I didn't come up with it. (laughs) It works. Oh my gosh. I once was having a conversation with, uh, it was the Navy SEAL and actually he had a similar recommendation in basically staying in flow, right? So we're seeking this dopamine hit and how he gets through his day, high energy, high flow all the way through was these micro targets. So I feel like this micro thing, it's pretty much metaphor in every corner of your life, whether it's healing, whether it's motivation, achievement, whatever it happens to be, it's stop focusing on the finish line, stop focusing on this like massively big picture and just literally put one little foot in front. 
so not fun. And this is where goals are really a detriment. And again, I'm a very goal-oriented person. I love vision boards and I love strategy and I love what are my goals. But like once you have your goal, throw it away, put it on the shelf, put it in a box and then focus on systems. And this is James Clear Atomic Habits stuff. I think that book is so incredibly helpful because if you have a system in place, you don't have to worry about the goal. So like the goal is win the championship. The system is what do you do during practice? The goal is make a million dollars your first year. The system is what's your marketing strategy? And we nobody wants to focus on systems because they're not sexy. No one is online. If you scroll through Instagram, you're not going to see people's daily systems. Well, some people are into that now, but by and large, systems are boring. So we don't want to think about them and we don't want to do them, but that's where the magic happens. That's where alchemy happens. That's where you can actually get in and start to change things, even change how your brain is structured. So I'm like, let's make it magical. Let's make it less boring and less just kind of a, a drag and just think that you are actually doing alchemy. You are creating new neural pathways by doing these micro things instead of, oh, this sucks. It's boring. All right, I'm moving in with you. I will be. <laughs> Everything is magic in my world. I'm like a trip to the pharmacy. I'm going to the apothecary to get my magic potion that keeps my brain from going off the deep end. Like it's so much fun to make things really gamifying recovery and wellness. Yeah, you know, the people in the tech industry have figured this out. But like if we can create little games to play for ourselves, that does make these micro things so much less boring. Oh my gosh. It's so true. It's okay. It's basically you're making magic out of the rituals that we think are, are like, uh, or like the systems, which are actually rituals. Yes. And so that makes it fun. And yes. when we start to create rituals around things, that helps us to be more present. See, this is something like, Oh, we're really into like how I teach things too. And that's when it starts to be fun. And when we start to do that, then there's this whole idea of curating your life being the, the, the architect of your life, which that starts to pull you out of that feeling of feeling stuck, right? Yes. And it's a hard jump and I get it, you know, like bad things have happened to all of us. And so I'll speak for myself. I won't speak for people at large. You know, I was in real, like a bad relationship where there was like intimate partner violence. It was very easy for me to stay in that state of I, bad things are happening to me. Nothing good will ever happen for me. I am stuck. And I have a lot of compassion. If it was easy to leave that kind of a situation, everybody would. And there's a reason we don't. Nevertheless, you know, we get so focused on where we have no mobility that it's really easy to forget if you, you know, I'll speak for myself. While I was not ready to leave certain relationships, I could work on my business. I could work on beefing up my social support. So if you're stuck, legitimately in one area, pivot to something easier. And somehow in our culture that if it's easy, it has no value and it's total BS. Like grab the low hanging fruit, make the easy shifts because that's going to give you what you need to do those. You know, I wasn't able to say no, no more. I'm out until I had lots and lots of little wins in other areas of my life. So I could know that I would be okay dismantling my entire life, burning it to the ground and starting over. Not always necessary for me. It was, you know, I mean, I think that fresh start can be really, really empowering. Not at the time. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, it's also kind of traumatic in many, many, many situations. So I, I feel that. Okay. So I have to ask you in your books, I want you to, to expand on this a little bit. You talk about anxiety, essentially being like a superpower, a gift, mm -hmm. a tool to pull you through, to pull you out. So 
I get that. I understand that. And I really want you to dive in and share that juiciness here with the world. So people tend to want to hit me when I say anxiety is a superpower and we need it. So my caveat is I understand how awful it feels. I have had anxiety and panic and racing heart and puking on the side of the street and insomnia and all of those really unpleasant things that come along with having anxiety. I, again, I have lots of compassion on how bad it feels, but we get so focused on how bad anxiety feels, which it does, that we forget that it has a function. Anxiety is the check engine light on our brain's dashboard. It's the smoke alarm of our somatic system. If we don't have anxiety, how are we going to know if something is out of an alignment? If you don't have a smoke alarm and your building catches on fire, you're screwed. If you don't have a check engine light, like the check engine light's annoying when it comes on, the light is not the problem. The light is pointing to a problem. Anxiety is an indicator light. It's again, it can be problematic, but it's not the problem. And so when people come to me and they're like, I have an anxiety disorder, I'm like, okay, but do you? Because what I'm hearing is that your relationship is on the rocks. You're addicted to alcohol. You have three kids that you're homeschooling during a global pandemic. You have aging parents that you're not sure if you're ever going to see again. I'm not going to call that an anxiety disorder. I'm going to say, yeah, of course you feel like this. That makes sense. And it doesn't mean that there's nothing to be done and that we have to stay in this feeling state. But when we think of anxiety as a disorder instead of as a superpower, then we're going to feel like we're at war with ourselves and your brain is on your side. You know, your brain is not out to get you. Panic doesn't attack. Panic is a response, not a predator that attacks us. Panic is there to help us, not to harm us. So it's really about channeling and harnessing all that unpleasant body sensation, anxiety stuff and using it as energy for things that we actually want. Sorry. Wow. Wires, sorry. Keep going. I, I, I would like, first of all, I'm just sitting here. I would like to bottle up some of your energy. Can you also send some of that to me? <laughs> Love it. She's, you guys, she is so passionate about this, which is like, you know, that she's like so in her purpose. She's like in her zone of genius, which is just a delight to just be in the, the presence of someone who's just, yeah, in flow, doing the thing. So to, I, I just have to celebrate that. So no sorries. Thank you very much. It's real. I mean, I was so miserable for so long. Life sucked. Everything was a drag. It was, you know, poor me. This, There's nothing I can do. This is just who I am. And I don't say that to shame myself. I have compassion on my younger self because I didn't know any better because no one told me your brain's attached to a body. You have a nervous system and the nervous system does things. And what the mental health world calls a disorder or a disease is often our bodies doing what bodies are supposed to do, which is respond when things are unsafe or suboptimal or out of alignment with who we are and what our true purpose is. You know, I worked corporate jobs. I didn't understand why am I taking Xanax and Vicodin every day? It's like th that job wasn't for me. It looks, this looks like a great job. What's my problem? What's wrong with me? It wasn't for me, but I could focus so much on I'm a drug addict. I'm a popping pills person that it was easy to forget that that was even I'll go extreme when I got into smoking meth. That looked really extreme. Obviously, meth is a problem, but it wasn't the problem. It was pointing to a problem. And when we ignore the function of our most toxic behaviors, then we're not going to sustain change. I promise you, whatever your thing is that you're doing that's not good for you has a function. doesn't mean it's good. It just means it's functional. So let's identify the function. And that's where the change becomes sustainable. I have a question for you. 
Have you joined the Super Expander free mentorship community? If not, what are you waiting for? Stop what you're doing right now and text the word mentor to 202 918 3235. Text the word mentor to 202-918-3235. I send out weekly tips and inspiration to help you grow your business, to step into your wealthiest, most highest self, to harness your full potential and live an exceptional and extraordinary life. And the best part is it's really me sending those messages. So text me, say hello, and send me your questions. Okay. Let's go there a little bit. So identifying the function, how do we do that? Uh, So this is like what Jung calls shadow work, which I love because it makes doing this icky part so much more mysterious. So shadow work, so woo and mystic. It just means like, get honest with yourself. What's really like, stop spewing BS. Don't believe your own BS. What's going on for me? And again, it doesn't mean that I deserved the abuse that happened to me. And it doesn't mean, well, I stayed. Therefore, no, that's crap. However, As long as I was with somebody who was worse, quote, than me, then I never had to look at my own stuff. That's not a good reason to stay. But until I was willing to name that as a benefit I was getting as a function of my choice, without shaming, we want to hold radical truth with radical self-compassion. Because it's like, oh my God, how could I do this? It's like, okay, shame is not useful. The fact is doing drugs kept me numb so I didn't have to deal with trauma. Dating bad people kept me, they're bad, I'm good, so I'm fine, so it's them, they're the problem. If they would stop cheating on me, if they would stop yelling at me, if they would stop hitting me, I'll be fine. It's like, nope, like, yeah, that's problematic, but I have to look at my own stuff. And we're so concerned with being good people that we forget that you can't be whole without good and bad, shadow and light, all the things. So when we focus on goodness at the expense of wholeness, we're going to get stuck and we're not going to get moving. So, you know, it's okay. I'm a mess. You're a mess. We're all a mess. Let's be a mess together. Let's get honest so we can get moving and changing. Another mic drop moment. When we focus <laughs> on goodness versus the wholeness. Oh my gosh. That's like such a great way to frame it. Um, and yeah, let's, we're all, we're all a mess. Just like, let's all accept yeah. it. Yeah. I out mean, really. And, and heal. <laughs> Yeah, let's just like admit it, not admit it, don't trauma dump on like everyone, but in a safe contained space with boundaries and consent, let's get really on. And that's why I really love my work therapeutically, because I've done so much bad stuff that there's really nothing that shocks me. And so I like to create safe spaces for really ugly, honest truth, because the shiny lies that we all tell create a lot of really unpleasant symptoms and an ugly truth is always preferable to the shiny lie always oh my god well it just like feels so much easier right mm-hmm. if only it- you have such a like a lightness to it once you once you get it out yeah it's like puking like it's not fun but better out than in <laughs> yeah oh my gosh i was not expecting that one but it, it is true <laughs> I mean, there's a biofunction to vomiting and as above, so below, as within, so without. So puke is unpleasant, but if you were poisoned by your fish, you want to vomit because that is how you get the toxins out. This is what we're talking. Shadow work is just emotional vomiting and it's wonderful and terrible. 
it, it's the it's the gross, ugly, dark truth that you get to have in the same space. Of Yay! Your, of but your then once it's out, once yeah, it's then, out, it has no power over you anymore. Absolutely. So I love the way that you take these like sort of like spiritual terms that everyone likes to get kind of like you know enamored with that seem so much better than some of this like. <laughs> you know, more fun than this, <laughs> than what it actually is. It's like, when we talk about shadow work, it's like, I don't know, having like, I don't, I don't really like black licorice. So I feel like it's like sugar coated black licorice. <laughs> it all sounds so great. And like the higher up the spiritual plane you get, the less the human stuff is troubling. You know, it's like you dose yourself with enough ayahuasca. The fact that you're a human is no longer even like information that's accessible to you sometimes but the fact is is that we have to live in our human bodies even like spiritual concepts like forgiveness that's a big one this whole you have to forgive to heal so like on the spiritual plane that might very well be true i don't know that's not my area of expertise but i do know that if you have trauma you do not need forgiveness to remap a neural pathway that has created a set of body sensations that we call anxiety or panic or depression. So forgiveness might be a result of healing. You may make that decision later on, but forgiveness is not required to heal from trauma ever, 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 never. Oh, I bet you that's a really freeing actually thought for a lot of people who have experienced trauma. Actually, I feel like I was having a conversation with someone just recently and we were actually talking about forgiveness. And part of the conversation was, is that she wanted to forgive, but then there was a huge part of her that didn't want to forgive because she felt like it was forgetting and it was, um, almost like letting someone off of the hook for something that was so awful, awful, awful that it happened in, in her life. And so she was hanging on to it and didn't want to forgive. Which like, okay, like, okay. And again, we don't want to stay in this. And again, people are like, are you saying you should just stay resentful and miserable? It's like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, that's not what I'm saying. I am saying that once put for again, forgiveness as a mile seven issue, not a mile one issue. Once you get healed and I'll use myself. So like sexual assaults. Okay. Yes. Me several times over. So it's not like if you ask me, do I forgive the people who did that? It's like, it, that's not even an issue. I don't wish them harm because healthy, healed up, happy people don't assault other people. So just in a rational self-interest, I hope they're healthy and happy and not causing harm. But it's not like I forgive them and I release them. It's just like, it's not a thing I think about. It's not something I carry. So rather than focusing on letting them go, focus on filling your cup so much that the forgiveness thing just becomes irrelevant. Oh, I like that. Focus on your feeling your confidence just doesn't mean it's not even a thing. It's, it's you know, not even a thing. I love it's it. Not, like it's not okay what they did, but I'm not sitting here feeling, feel, it's not like I never get triggered either. I take meds, I go to therapy, I do all the things, but like, and I, I wish them well for no other reason other than so they don't harm me or anyone else ever again. But the forgiveness thing, again, if you can get you filled up with things that you love and work that you like and people that love you, forgiveness becomes irrelevant. And that's wonderfully healing news. So you don't have to worry about, I do I need to let this go? It's like, well, let's, let's get your neural network remapped so you're no longer living in fight, flight, freeze, and then see how you feel. Okay, great. No longer in fight, flight, freeze. How's your work? How are your friends? How's your romantic? Okay, let's get all that sorted out. And then eventually forgiveness isn't even a thing you have to think about. Oh, so much power going on there. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So 
so much knowledge, so much wisdom, so much healing has happened in your world to bring you to where you are now, to have created this amazing book, The Science of Stuck. So I have to ask, because I it's, it sounds like quite a journey. There had to have been a super expander in your world, in your life. I'd love to hear, I'm sure there was a lot of them, but I'd love to hear just like one story from you if you're willing to share. Yeah, my, you know, I know they say never meet your heroes and I've never met probably the biggest super expander was Julia Cameron, who I've never met her, but her book, The Artist's Way, and I'm not a visual artist, but I don't care if you're an artist or not, or if you identify as creative or not, that book has some serious magic on it. So when I was in my late 20s, I sort of stumbled upon this book and I dove in and I, I still do the tools in that book to this day. Like her journaling practice, I've done- yeah, Morning pages? Uh-huh, I've done morning pages for years and years and years. And it is a crucial part of my personal wellness mental hygiene oh my god her work expanded me to a place where it, it I'm not a big fan of a book can change your life because it's sort of like yeah that we need each other and we need resources and we need what like fine that book was some serious like that book definitely shifted my trajectory and so I don't actually long to meet her but like whoever you are Julia Cameron thank you for writing The Artist's Way because that book really really changed everything for me so that was a cool you don't need to know your expanders for them to have an impact on you Hooray. absolutely yeah you don't ah. which is when you think about how many people get to read your book and have you be a super expander for for that i hope so and yeah <laughs> I, so amazing i love that story too and what a what an amazing book i feel like i was turned on to that book maybe like 10 maybe not a full 10 it was like eight years ago and I don't even remember who told me about it, but I knew I had, it was like part of some program that I was in, maybe like a nutrition counseling program or something. And it was a, a recommendation and I, I love it. It actually was a huge shifter for me too. So I feel you, I feel you on that. Okay. So everyone, I, everyone's listening and I know that they want to get your book and read it now because of the energy and the your perspective on the way that you explain everything inside of this book I mean just the way you're showing up right here it's like oh my gosh I have to like stop with this book right now I just I know it so what's the best way I mean that they can totally order your book I know they can head over to probably your website or Amazon to order the books not that so I'm not asking that but where how can they follow you how can they follow your journey get in your world what are the best ways so I have poor boundaries on Instagram where I am there for many hours, because I just love meeting people and it they're not just little digital. They can, I mean, social media can be a blessing or a curse, but I have met the most phenomenal people just by hanging out there, you know, like you and I and other yeah. people, how we met in New York City. Like I met the person who organized that event through social media. So come follow me on Instagram at Britt Frank. And I try to respond to everything because I, you never know who you're going to meet. And it's so much fun if you curate your feed so it doesn't annoy you. It's so true. I mean, it really is so true. I know that their social media gets such a bad rap, but I, I feel the same way. I have some, of, I've met some of the most interesting, the coolest people, and I never would have known them before. Also imagine we are having this conversation on social media and like, 
I would have never even thought that this would even be possible that I meet you at an event. And how cool is that? And you're like, oh my gosh, this is like pinch me kind of thing. <laughs> for me too. I mean, really, especially since we were all locked down for so long, being able to take all of these little square people from our screens and it's like, oh, hey, you exist in real life. And that's really fun to bump into people in real life too. Yeah. So, and I have a tip if you want, if you don't want to have like a, a boring feed, you can just like all of the puppy things. Cause my discover feed, I don't get shown any weird stuff or like any negative stuff. I, I live in this bubble where only cool books and puppies come into my world. I love that. So I click on all the stand-up comedy stuff. I am obsessed with stand-up. So my feed is self-help awesomeness and really amazing stand-up comics that make me laugh yeah oh my gosh it's like it's the best thing ever I love that all right so all the ways that you can find Britt will be in the show notes so make sure you scroll down follow her say hello let her know that you heard about her here on the super expander all right so if you had one last juicy nugget of wisdom a tip I don't know a something that you want to pull out of you you're like your, your, your hat of tricks or your, it's, hold on, but I was, <laughs> your bag of tricks. My I hat like, of tricks. Your hat of tricks. I, I, was like, like oh, that. I, I was looking at my own hat here for a second and I guess I got distracted. Um. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, my, my biggest thing, and this was another sort of super expander moment when a therapist put her hand on my shoulder when I was having a big old ugly cry and it's not flowing out of my nose, whatever. And she said to me like, Brett, you're not crazy. And I was like, I'm crazy. I'm just, too, you know, like I'm crazy. And it's been so healing to know there's no such thing as a crazy, like crazy is just a word that we slap on things we don't understand, but crazy is not a biological reality. I promise you whatever, that doesn't mean don't take meds. That doesn't mean don't go to therapy. And that doesn't mean we don't see and hear weird things when we're traumatized or if we have things going on in our brains. Nevertheless, there is no such thing as crazy. Your stuff makes sense up close. I promise you it makes sense. You don't even need to know why it makes sense. Just remind yourself gently and often, okay, I have no idea what's going on. My body's freaking out, but I am not crazy. And this makes sense. And there are things I can do to help, which is awesome news. Like there is no such thing as a crazy person. Hooray. Whoa. Mind blown again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's actually liberating and freeing and makes you feel really good. Now, now I can, uh, I can go on with my, my life feeling like oh, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> like what do people say doing the same thing over and over is the definition of insanity like yeah. no it is not doing the same thing over and over again is the definition of trauma repetition our brains are designed to keep doing the same stupid stuff over and over again because it wants a different outcome and that's not a moral thing that's not an insanity thing that's a trauma nervous system thing and we can work with that but you're not there's no such thing as insane like the opposite of you know, mental health isn't mental illness. The opposite of a mentally healthy brain is a brain that's unsafe or that feels unsafe or that perceives being unsafe. So we want to create, you know, not this binary of sick and healthy, but feeling safe versus feeling unsafe. A brain that feels safe is not going to make you feel as miserable as a brain that feels unsafe. Like a massive weight was lifted off of many shoulders in that statement. So thank you with for all of that. That last juicy nugget of wisdom was really, it was, was really juicy. So thank you so much for being here, for sharing your wisdom, for just your personality, your energy, your light, all of it. It's so good. So thank you. I appreciate you. 
This is so much fun. We should do this again. Thank you. Oh so my much. gosh, definitely. Guarantee we're doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> we will catch you on the next episode. If you like what you heard, stop, drop, and leave a five-star review and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. As always, the best way that you can thank our amazing guests is to share your biggest takeaway and then tag us on social media.